For years, complaints have been raised across the state's prison system about the temperatures in correctional facilities with incarcerated New Yorkers exposed, in some cases, to dangerously hot conditions in the summer. In response to this dynamic, State Senator Pete Harcum, a Westchester County Democrat, introduced legislation in December requiring state correction officials to set up a heat mitigation plan to ensure incarcerated New Yorkers and facility staff can stay safe during high temperatures. To discuss this legislation and the temperature issues more broadly in New York's prisons and jails, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Sharon Greist-Ballin, chair of the Prison Relations Advisory Committee for the Town of Bedford and is the program coordinator of the Interfaith Prison Partnership. Welcome to the show, Sharon, and thanks for making the trip to the studio. Thank you for having me. So from your experience on the advisory committee, what is your understanding of the conditions that can arise in New York's prisons and jails during intense summer heat? Well, I think, as we all know, this past summer was the hottest summer on record. No fans, no air conditioning. Women would go to the bathroom and make their clothes wet in the sink and then put their clothes back on to cool off because these are very, very, very old buildings and they hold the heat. There is no air conditioning, partly because there's no vent system because these buildings were built before vent systems even existed. So the issue that we deal with is really the taxpayers because we're not interested in having people who are in incarcerated facilities have fans or air conditionings because they don't, quote unquote, deserve that. So there really has not been money put into the budget, which I believe that's why Senator Harcum has brought up this legislation, because there's not money in the governor's budget Mm -hmm. to provide the relief and the resources that they need so that we're not in the conditions that we're in. As we get only warmer and warmer and warmer during the summers, it's going to become dangerous. Yeah, it's more than just an inconvenience or uncomfortable feeling that people might get. We're talking about a public safety. We're talking a public safety issue. This isn't about making somebody luxurious. This is about public health and public safety. And eventually, people could very well start dying. This summer, Interfaith Prison Partnership and New Hour for Children worked together, and we raised enough money for 800 fans so that each woman in both correctional facilities in the town of Bedford would have a fan. The women found it extremely helpful, but the fans are a Band-Aid, and they're in are two correctional facilities where each woman got a fan. Now, I know Docs has those big industrial fans in the hallways, but these are in each of their rooms. Well, are there existing state or federal regulations that prison officials are supposed to be following when it comes to heat mitigation in correctional facilities? Or is it your understanding that it's essentially, you know, the wild, wild west with each prison administration left to decide how it wants to approach these issues. And it's kind of done ad hoc, like you just mentioned, with a local community having to secure fans for the incarcerated New Yorkers there. I don't know about the federal laws. That's not my area of purview. But what I do know is that when I brought this issue to Senator Harcum and to Acting Commissioner Marticello, they were both on it right away. Prack's been engaging the commissioner on extreme heat. Docs is on the governor's task force on this issue. Docs has been supportive of addressing this problem from day one, and we are working on it together. They haven't commented specifically on this bill, but this bill 
is pretty common sense bill. Well, yeah, let's talk about the legislation from Senator Harcum and the idea of establishing heat mitigation plans. What exactly does that mean? Well, I can't speak for Senator Harcum. I don't know what exactly what he means by that, except that what I will say is on the PRAC committee, we also had a brilliant representative from Sustainable Westchester who did a PowerPoint presentation on geothermal tracking system. And that looks much more a possibility than like air conditioning because we don't have ducks. She was able to secure a $1 million grant for the children's village to do geothermal tracking. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the children's village. but Pretend I'm not. Okay, okay. The children's village is an organization and a place where um, what we used to call juvenile delinquents, that's the old term, um, live and go for services. And so they're now... I'm not sure if it's been been installed yet, but if not, it will very soon be installed into the children's village. There are, thank God for President Biden, because there are infrastructure that with the infrastructure bill, there is money to get funding for these kinds of things. I also know that the governor's climate change plan calls for state funding for cooling rooms to serve the most marginalized communities. Well, the incarcerated are certainly one of not the only, but one of the most marginalized communities. So the need is to get funding. To get funding, you need taxpayer support. Um, So that's really where we come back to in terms of you say, are they doing all they can? They have a budget. They have a budget that's set. Um, They are now thinking about um, putting in the budget for every person in all the correctional facilities to have a fan. Again, but that's up to us, the taxpayers. If we're not willing to pay for it, it won't go in the budget. So the legislation from Senator Harcum, which calls for this mitigation plan, outlines some of the necessary components of a plan, such as access to industrial fans, Mm -hmm. water, ice, and commissaries fully stocked with personal fans, uh, calls for monitoring temperatures in in housing and different program areas, Uh, also calls for increased rounds of wellness checks on the Mm -hmm. incarcerated New Yorkers and providing shade in the exercise yards, which can sometimes be barren areas that then really serve to trap heat there. What is your sense of those key points that the legislation outlines? Does that seem like some of the main tenets that prison officials should be thinking about when trying to uh, address this problem, at least in the short term? A hundred percent. And frankly, they basically are doing them, at, at least in the facilities in which, with which I'm familiar, which is Bedford and Taconic. I mean, ice, extra ice was always available, provided, water was provided. The issue that we have to talk about with these proposals, all of which I agree with, and I would be surprised if docs didn't also, the issue is some of these cost money, and we have to always go back to that. Because if we're talking about wanting to implement things like industrial fans, now I know they have them at the two correctional facilities in my town, but that costs money. Stocking a commissary with personal fans, great idea but not everybody can afford to buy them. Not everybody has the money to go to the commissary and buy a personal fan. Monitoring temperatures and housing. Again, great idea. That takes staff. That takes staff to do that. It takes staff to do wellness checks. At a time when 
the facilities are grossly understaffed because like every other place in America, a lot of people since COVID have not come back. So we're asking more of our correction staff. Um, the exercise yards having shade, again, every single idea is a great idea. Somebody has to buy those trees and plant them. Now the dock staff can, can plant them and maybe you could get donations. But all I'm saying is, all of these things come back to the taxpayers being willing or not to pay for them. So the idea, though, of having a standardized mitigation plan, does that make sense to you yes. as opposed to leaving uh, some decisions up to local prison officials? Because we saw a story from an outlet called uh, Truth Out uh, this summer, and they reported that in one facility, female incarcerated New Yorkers were prohibited from hanging a curtain over their window to prevent direct sunlight from entering their cell and hopefully you know, providing a little relief from that heat. Mm -hmm. Does that sort of reinforce the idea that local prison officials need to follow sort of key principles and not maybe have that sort of discretion? Because if left to their own devices, that, that seems like the kind of arbitrary and capricious decision-making we see. Well, I do think, and I think everybody thinks, that there should be a standardized policy that every facility adheres to. However, having said that, when you talk about putting a curtain up, initially you hear that and you think, how can somebody say you can't do that. That's horrible. Why would you do that? Are you being mean? Are you just, you know, whatever your power issue? The reality is we don't know what the situation is with that particular woman. And I can make up stories as to why she might not be allowed to put a curtain up for her own safety. We can't just take things at face value. During COVID, there was a published article about how the superintendent at Bedford was so mean that she wouldn't even give them bread. This was a different superintendent than we have now. I had a very good relationship with her. I called her up and I said, I know you. This is not you. What's going on? And she said, are you kidding? Is that what they're saying? And I said, yes. And she said, we're not giving them bread. And we explained to them we're not giving them bread because the vendor closed because of COVID. We are looking for another vendor and we should have one in a week or two, but we were not denying anybody bread. We explained to them our vendor closed. So those are the kind of stories that make me realize that I can't just accept a woman not being able to put a curtain up on face value. It might have been for some other reason, but it might have been for some safety issue that we don't know. Well, finally, I want to just come back to something you've raised a couple times in this interview, this idea of what the taxpayers are willing to pay for. But here in New York State, it's not the taxpayers who vote on the state budget. It's our state lawmakers and Governor Hochul needs to sign off on it. And mm -hmm. yes, the legislators are going to have to answer for their decisions come election day every two years. But what do you think of the idea that uh, it just requires a little bit of political courage uh, from our elected leaders to tackle this issue in a meaningful way and, and that to say it's a product of apathy or antagonism from voters is, is a red herring to a bit. I can only speak about the legislators with whom I've worked and my experience with them has not been what you described. My experience with them is that they are very committed to this work. They're very committed to the incarcerated population because they understand that 
Many of them would not be there if society had not failed them before they ever committed a crime, and that we all deserve mercy. So I can't address your question in terms of the legislators because that's not been my experience with the ones with whom I've worked on this. Well, why are you framing the issue as requiring support from the taxpayers since they're not actually the ones who vote on the budgets? It's Senator Harkham, it's Senator Salazar, it's Assemblymember Burdick, who, for the most part, have voted on the existing budget bills that we've seen, uh, with Senator Salazar being an exception on certain uh, appropriation bills. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the reality is, you and I both are well aware that they have to make compromises, and they're getting, it's not like they're sitting here voting in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. They're getting email after email, after phone call, after phone call from constituents saying, this is where I want you to put the money. I don't want you to put it here, there, wherever, you know, whatever the particular issue is. So they are the ones voting, but they're not just voting necessarily their own personal conscience, because if they're doing that, then they're not representing their constituents. Well, I guess we'll have to have a debate about the delegate or trustee model of government in the future. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this interview. We've been speaking with Sharon Greist Ballen. They are the chair of the Prison Relations Advisory Committee for the town of Bedford and serve as the program coordinator of the Interfaith Prison Partnership. Sharon, thanks for visiting us in the studio. It was fun. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.